Minus three is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. Must be 21 or older. Robbins in the backfield. 48 of Pittsburgh. First. Oh, there he goes. A big hole. Off to the races. What a burst. 44 yards by Dobbins. I'm bummed out. I'm bummed out. Yeah. Yeah. Minus three. With Dave Damashek. Yeah, dude. I'm bummed out, too. Not a great weekend for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I hope it was a better weekend for your favorite football team. About half of you probably fit that description. Either way, hi and hello and welcome to Minus 3 Sports Fans presented by Omaha. I'm not thrilled right now. Eddie Spaghetti over there, the New York Giants fans, a fan. He's sitting there behind the glass. He, too, is not uh, not thrilled right now. Do I have your emotions about right there, Eddie Spaghetti? You would be correct with that. But you did call it, at least. You did say the Eagles were going to hammer your team. But no no uh, emotional joy from that. I hope at least your pockets are a little bit fuller than they were when the weekend started. But you know what, Spaghetti, as a show, you know, we're we're role models. I think that's how we're regarded in society as uh, form the foremost role models for how to behave yourself, how to comport yourself as a sports fan. So with that in mind, and it's December and Christmas is nigh. And so too is bowl season. You and me can complain about what's going on. We'll get into it in just a little bit here on the other side, but first and foremost, let's get over to our new colleague from Omaha and celebrate the arrival of bowl season. Who, who do the Irish have in the, in their bowl game, spaghetti. They're playing the, in the Gator Bowl. Um, it is South Carolina um, with uh, used to be number one overall quarterback prospect. Um, and now his name Spencer is Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler, formerly of Oklahoma, now uh, South Carolina Gamecocks. Notre Dame gets them in the Gator Bowl. So, yeah, a lot of Notre Dame players sitting out, but uh, I'll still watch. That's fun. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's a bizarre time with what's become a bowl season because of all the NIL money that they are making and the money that they want to make sure that they get when they reach the pro ranks. So then they sit out these bowl games. It's interesting with Spencer Rattler. Like you say, a couple of years ago, he was probably the number one QB prospect and a lot has changed since then, but he did get on a heater there down the home stretch of his pro of his uh, college career there with the Gamecocks. And so he'll definitely be incented to get out there, right? He'll, he'll go pro now, right? I would assume so, um, but obviously, like we just said, it, it goes from being a top prospect to probably a mid to late round guy, maybe a backup and make it a crack. But uh, yeah, definitely a great end of the season for him. If he has a good bowl game, who knows? Maybe the stock rises even more. What are we doing here? I just said we're going to get the Greg McElroy, but wow, a Sunday night football, fascinating stuff because I got into a back and forth a little bit, just say, stating the empirical obvious, which is that Justin Herbert is more physically talented than Tua is. And, you know, I believe that Tua and them Dolphins are headed to the Super Bowl. So it's not like I'm down on Tua, but what a weird, um, you know, campaign to undertake by Emmanuel Acho. I became aware of it at the start of the weekend. And by the end of it, I was getting inundated on social media with his supporters and Tua supporters telling me that I didn't know what I was talking about and, uh, even more bizarre claims about why I was saying Herbert is better than two weird stuff, but I feel validated at games end. And I still like those dolphins. Uh, I think now's a great time to their great value to bet on the dolphins because two game skid going into Buffalo, probably people are going to turn their backs on them, but spoiler alert, they are making the playoffs and they're going to be a dangerous out. Um, and the short passing game, I know that they're from Miami. So people will standardly pick against them, if they have to travel up to a team playing in the North and it's cold outside, but that short passing game probably lends itself to January football more than, uh, than the style, some other teams that they'll be playing. Anyhow, listen, what are we doing here? Spaghetti. I don't want to talk about this lost NFL season right now, or at least let's delay it a little bit with some sunshine named Greg McElroy. He is the host of always college football And spoiler alert again, we already had this conversation, and I can tell you in advance, it's a great one. He's a delight. You know what? Judge for yourself. Here it comes, everybody. Greg McElroy. Let me squeeze in a quick break here. Hey, listen up, sports fan. This message is for you. Your first bet with Caesar Sportsbook and Casino, it's on Caesars, up to $1,250. Download the app with promo code CZRFULL and place your first bet. If you win, muzzle tough. 
If you don't, you'll get it all back as a free bet. That first bet also gives you 1,000 tier credits and 1,000 reward credits, putting you closer to the types of perks, game tickets, experiences, and more. And because Caesar plays by the rules, here comes the lengthy, responsible gaming disclaimer. 21 and over, must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or our nation's capital. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or Maryland. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or West Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Tennessee, call or text Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, here we go. Right at the dawn of bowl season here. Who better to yap with than this guy? You know, dawn of bowl season would be a good name. If you were really a big college football fan and you had a baby daughter, Donna bowl season, I don't know what bowl season, what kind of last, I don't know. I listen, I'm getting sidetracked. Like I say, who better to talk with than this guy than our colleague from Omaha. He is the host of course of always college football. It's Greg McElroy. How are you, man? What's going on y'all? How y'all? Y'all's doing good um, out here in L.A., your birthplace. Let's jump into some hot college football talk here. Like I say, just at uh, just at the cusp here, the start of another bowl season. And obviously, I, I assume you're getting this question a lot. It's an obvious one. So let's just get it out of the way. How vexed are you scale of one to 10 as a Bama supporter, if at all, that you didn't get into the final four this time around? I mean, I, I'm I mean, I'm. Obviously, you always want your team to get in, right? But you also, for the integrity of the sport that you cover, you also want it to be, you know, you want them to earn their way in. And this year, with all due respect to Bama, the ups and downs, and Nick Saban kind of made his case there Saturday night to the committee trying to get back in good favor. And I I admire the effort, but ultimately he pointed to the fact that they lost two games by one possession and he kind of ignored the fact that they won three games uh, on the last possession. So this team was just really inconsistent. And as much as I love the Tide, it would have been really difficult to justify them getting in over some teams that had only slipped up one time, or in some cases, not even at all. Well, uh, listen, um, we park our cars in the same garage here then. Um, so yeah, I, the, so not to belabor a point that obviously we were um, in lockstep on, the argument that TCU would lose head to head to Bama holds no meaning to you. I, I I agree with you, by the way. I mean, it's a power five team. They ran the table. They lost in their conference game. That's all you need to tell me. 
But how say you to those who are skeptical of TCU's uh, and not just being in it, but being the third team in it? Well, if, if we're going to go based on Vegas power ratings and, you know, what we think the spread would be, then what's what's the point in playing the games at all? I mean, because last I checked, like if we all knew the outcome, we all knew the result. Like, what's the point in the regular season? Like, let's just get the NFL talent evaluators, go get all the GMs in the league and say, all right, you you guys pick right now. Who's got the four best rosters? Let's put those teams in a playoff and let's just play a 15 week round robin. And that'll be the national champion when everybody else can just kind of play over here in their sandbox. Like, I mean, to me, that's I mean, yeah. okay, would TCU potentially lose to Alabama? Yeah, possibly. Um, but so could LSU and they didn't, they were a two touchdown dog. So did Tennessee and they didn't, they were North of a touchdown dog. I mean, so to me, there would be no point in playing the season whatsoever. I mean, we're all now in unison and saying that Ohio state and Michigan, Michigan's better than Ohio state. Well, they weren't according to the power ratings, uh, according to the power ratings, Michigan was going to lose that game by about nine points when that thing kicked off. So I, I have a difficult time kind of using that logic. I think it's flawed. Um, there are certain schemes that can make up for a talent disadvantage, which TCU does have relative to some of the other teams in the playoff. But ultimately, I don't care what you think is going to happen. I care about what did happen. And TCU proved it in 13 weeks to have uh, one of the best resumes in football, which is why they're included in the playoff. I love it. A selfless, generous soul you are. Very nice. Let's play. I'm so such a, a giver. Little, that's that's the way I see it, too. I'm just such a giver. Yeah. That was the book on you coming in here, and you've proven <laughs> it in spades. Let's play a little uh, Bama-based fantasy football, shall we? Pick one Crimson Tide QB to start a, a mythical national title game. I'm not going to tell you anything about who you're playing against, if it's in a dome, if it's raining. You just get the pick. One tied QB, and before you answer, I will not hold it against you if you say Greg McElroy. I, I wouldn't pick myself. That'd be pretty neat. Uh, but no, I, I wouldn't. I don't even know if I'd crack the top five, if I'm going to be honest. Like, I think I was a fine player, but I understood my role within the organization. Um, maybe if the offense were a little different, maybe things would look a little different. Maybe I'd perceive myself differently. I don't know. Uh, but no, I mean, if I had to go win one, uh, Joe Namath, man. Like, come ah, on. Like, look at yeah. you. How am I not going to take Broadway Joe? I mean, that's first of all, that's my guy. Secondly, it's 60 years ago, but he's still a legend. Um, thirdly, he predicted to beat the Colts in the Super Bowl in a one game season. He said, we're going to beat him. And I guarantee it did. Uh, so he backed it up. And I, I think still to this day, one of the most important players in the history of, co- of not just college football, but the NFL as well. So uh, he'd be up there. Um, Bryce Young, the current quarterback, would be up there. And then probably Tua Tagovailoa would be the the three that would probably be at the top of my list. Your time with the Jets probably informs that a little bit. You probably cross paths with Broadway Joe, also owner of the greatest NFL films clip ever when he's shooting pool and he's talking to whomever he's talking to. He's like, I enjoy a drink with a lady now. And again, why that's becoming <laughs> evil in me. I'll never know. Then he shoots the thing. Shoots. He's like, look at that shot. Oh, he's the best for <laughs> Beaver County zone. Joe Broadway, Joe. All right, let's expand now or go to 2022 and look at these final four QBs. I don't know if college football is a QB league just yet, but give it to me. Win play show style. Your number one QB, your number two QB, your number three out of the quartet available, of course, Stroud, McCarthy, Duggan, Bennett. Uh, if I had to go one, based on the year, it'd be Max Duggan one. Uh, hmm. Number number two, it'd be CJ Stroud. Number three, it'd be Stetson Bennett. Number four, it'd be JJ McCarthy. So uh, TCU, Ohio State, Georgia, and finally, JJ McCarthy, who's asked to do not as much at Michigan as some of the others. I still think he's got crazy talent. Um, he's just a little bit younger than the others. I mean, CJ Stroud is um, a third-year player, but a redshirt sophomore, so he's the second youngest. And then you have Stetson Bennett, who's 25 years old, literally. <laughs> and then you have um, Max Duggan, who's a fifth-year senior as well. So you have a couple of veteran guys, um, one guy that's probably going to be a very successful NFL player, and then JJ McCarthy, who might in time uh, maybe exceed what even the guys in front of them have done. But at this point, his development probably uh, not asked to do quite as much as some of the others. 
let's say you have the first overall pick in next spring's draft. You taking Stroud or are you taking your guy Bryce Young? Or are you Bryce, going off the board? Will let Bryce. Are Young. you going Bryce? I, yeah, I go too Bryce. small for you. That that would be the only flaw, right? I mean, if if we're going based exclusively off productivity and tape, he's a better player than CJ Stroud to me. Now, is he he's not as fundamental within the pocket. He's a little bit more of an improviser, um, a little bit more of a, hey, I'm going to create, I'm going to make off schedule plays. Like if everything's perfect, CJ Stroud's very pure. But in the league, like stuff is very seldom perfect. Uh, you have to throw off balance. You have to throw off platform. You have to move and throw. You have to maintain a passing posture and throw. You have to uh, avoid a big hit and throw. You have to throw while getting hit hard. I mean, and and there just isn't as enough enough tape of that. And the few times that there that he does have to move, he becomes sporadic with his accuracy, and uh, he doesn't take a lot of hits either. So I'm not sure how um, taking a hit would affect him because some guys and the guys I want. The more you hit them, the better they get like Rocky Balboa, man. Like I want him to take them on the mm. chin and get better. Uh, and I just haven't seen enough of that from him. So I, I think the jury's out a little bit on all the quarterbacks of the class. Um, obviously Bryce young question mark would be size. CJ Stroud question mark would be, can he move and negotiate rush in the pocket because he throws from a clean pocket all the time. Will Levis to me feels very, very sporadic, but has some natural ability, has the size speed quotient that you want. Anthony Richardson might have the highest ceiling of anybody, but he's very hit or miss at Florida. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not a guy that I'd be real thrilled about maybe, you know, bringing into the fold. Um, There's a handful of others too, of, of guys that would be in the mix. Like next year, Caleb Williams at SC. I think if he came out this year, he'd be the number one overall pick, but He's still got another year of eligibility before he can enter the draft. So him and Drake may from North Carolina in 2024's draft will be really interesting. But uh, right now I'm, I think that everyone has a little bit of a question mark. So if I'm going to go with question marks abound, I'm going to go with the guy that I've seen do it time in and time out throughout the course of the season, even with the people around him and the pieces around him weren't elite. And, and that would be Bryce Young. It's very funny the the collective amnesia that it seems like the scouts and and otherwise fall under perennially because like you just said Caleb Williams if he came out now he'd be the first pick two years ago the guys you had to have that you waited for maybe it was worth tanking if you were a bad NFL team were Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler things change fast <laughs> and kids now change teams change universities pretty quickly as well with uh with the NIL deals and everything else first of all I, you know, I guess where do you come down on that broadly? I, I don't want to take you in a certain direction there. Is it is it good, bad, otherwise for college football? But more importantly, Greg McElroy, you get to choose what brand would be optimal for you. Would you not have to fake it for they're coming to you and you're like, I am happy to put my name next to blank brand. Who do you hope offers you two million dollars to go to their to, to go to this university? Oh, am I of age? Can I pick like a domestic yeah. light beer? Like I've like, no, you yeah. Can. yeah. I mean, like Miller Coors, like I'm a Miller Coors guy. So like Okay. Yeah, nothing against Ann Heiser Bush, but dad worked for the Cowboys for a long time and we drank Miller Light in our house. Like, you know, so I mean, it's uh I, I don't know. I mean, those would be some of the ones that would definitely jump off the page. Um I mean, she, you could be like you, you. You're an old soul, clearly, with references to Broadway Joe and Rocky Balboa already. You would be great in those old Miller Lite commercials. Yeah, that, I uh, mean, John Madden and everybody was in. You know, well, if you're going off of the commercials like Budweiser in a landslide, right? Like I grew up yes. in the Wiseab era. I grew up in the, you know, in the <laughs> Frogs era where Budweiser. Like I, you know, I grew up in that era of commercials. Now, the one, the best beer commercial of all time to me, though is when Mr. Galactowitz or whatever is riding in the back of a limo and they say, first time in a limo, Mr. Galactowitz, he's pressing all the buttons and he says, yeah, one this small, you know, I mean, like just stuff like that. Like the, that's the best <laughs> beer commercial of all time. Um, but yeah, like my, you era, know what, let's maybe let, we'll do it for your podcast. We'll do it for Omaha. We'll do a series of your favorite commercials with you starring in them instead. And we'll see if anybody picks it up, you know, we'll, well be proactive I mean, I, with it. Look, I, you referenced the fact that I'm from Los Angeles. Yeah, I'm originally from LA, but I really grew up in Dallas. Like that's my mm-hmm. my adolescent years were were spent in in a place called South Lake, Texas. So like, if there's a brand that I'm most loyal to, it's probably Dr Pepper. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. like, I mean, Dallas guy. Like, we love our 
Dr. Pepper. So they, like, if there's one thing that I'd, I would have a difficult time living without, it'd be Dr. Pepper and Starbucks, man. Like I like the caffeine. So I don't like though that I like Dr. Pepper, but I, I feel like they have self-esteem issues there. The good doctor has self-esteem issues because he's his own flavor already. But then they're like, Hey, you can get vanilla flavored Dr. Pepper. It's like, well, well, well that's not a, that's not Dr. <laughs> Pepper at all. That's its own flavor. Once again, you know, yeah, I, I, I mean, but a little addition, I mean, like, Hey, I mean, we're all a little better with a little, with a little mix up. Right. Like, I mean, shoot, okay. like if you just have the same thing all the time, like, I mean, don't you have to like change it up a little bit? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, to me, I don't have any issues with them throwing a little flavor in there just to keep me guessing. I wish it was like I'd buy like a Dr. Pepper mystery flavor. Like maybe it's cherry, maybe it's vanilla, maybe it's cherry vanilla. I don't know. Maybe it's peach. Who cares? I I, I think it's it's either like I say, maybe self esteem or it's overreaching like Icarus. Have you ever noticed like Cheetos? They cornered the market on whatever that thing was, the Cheeto. Like you know, it's that little like you know hard little orange thing but then they also have the puffy version like what what gives why are you are, are you we, stay, choose a no, who, no who does nobody eats the puffy version of the cheeto like come on like uh, crunchy is the only way to go my little ones like it quite a bit and i can't okay help well the kids it's fine it's I, basically like a cheese puff like like yeah, yeah all right kids are fine but if you're an adult and you're stealing the puff cheetos we got issues like it's <laughs> Simple as that, but perfectly sound. If you're a grown up, just eating bags of Cheetos with a with a. Yeah, I mean, probably not my first choice. Like, if I'm going to be honest, like my probably not my first choice going with the Cheeto. But like, yeah, like anything jalapeno, I'm usually pretty much golden with. Like, I'm always good with like the Miss Vicky jalapenos. Those are solid. But yeah, Cheetos, not at the top of the list. The one thing though, still from my childhood, like Doritos, still very much a. a, Like, I'm never giving that up. Like, if Doritos (laughs) are around, it's on that. And Harvest Cheddar Sun Chips. Like, those are the two go-tos for me when it comes to the chip game. You heard him, Brands. He's available for you. He, he just listed off at least a half dozen items that you can sponsor him with. Um, <laughs> well, but regarding I, but I am the very NIL. grateful to Eckerd Sausage and all the others that, yes, that sponsored the podcast. Eckerd Sausage, AT&T, Goodyear. I mean, very, very grateful to them as well. But those are just, you asked me for a couple things that I identify You're with right. and use. Like, I'm a consummate consumer. So, like, yeah. I also like, you know, if if Rolex wants to get in the mix, like I'm down, like I'm not going to say no to that or, you know, I'm not sure if I necessarily reach their clientele. They feel more like PGA tour, but I'm, I'm good with, with Rolex if they want to throw a couple bands our way. I want a Learjet if anyone's listening. That would be cool. A Gulfstream, like Gulfstream, real estate. I don't know who's in charge of that, but if if you're out there, I'm right now. I might take a favorable. If a bank wants to come in or a mortgage company wants to come in and toss a couple points off, (laughs) shave a couple points off the mortgage rate, I I could live with that. (laughs) No bad ideas here. You know what? We're really putting things together here. We've gone off the rails here. Um, Nil deals, though. Do you suppose just to return to that for a second? I wonder if and and how it NIL de- deals impact this or otherwise, but the 12 team playoff that is, you know, a couple years away now. Um, are you better off then to be because when this was announced, okay, we're doing this sooner rather than later. And boy, this is really gonna exclude a lot of teams, and you better be in the Big Ten or the SEC, or you're really um gonna be, you know, out there twisting in the wind. But it seems to me that over the course of this season, you're better off to be in one of the other conferences. If your TCU is a, for instance, and you have an easier path and you only lose one along the way in a mediocre conference, you're kind of better served than you are to be, let's say LSU right now. You know what I'm getting at? Yeah. I think there's some, I think there's some truth to that. Um, I also think too, you know, right now we deal with an era of college football where you have guys that, they don't show up every week. You know, I mean, it's just for not that they ever did, but I mean, I feel like now as much as ever before, because it's now like, all right, now you not only can your girlfriend dump you, but you also got dumped by your NIL sponsor. And now you are without a girlfriend and money. So you're going to play awful on Saturday. You know, <laughs> So like, I feel like the uh, roller coaster and performance is more amplified now than it's probably ever been. Um, but I think if you were to dangle that carrot out in front of a lot of the players, you wouldn't have as many distractions uh, as it relates to poor performance. So you reference LSU, like that's a good example. Soon the SEC will likely do away with divisions. The L- LSU Tigers won the SEC West, um, but they also lost the team that finished second to last in the SEC West in the Texas A&M. So you have uh, you know a scenario where LSU and Texas A&M LSU is looking ahead. Their only way into the playoff is to beat Georgia the next week. 
they're not really thinking about AM. You know, they're they basically completely punted on it. But now if they have to win all their games and the pathway isn't just winning the conference championship and they can get in as an at-large because of a 12-team format as opposed to a four-team format, I think they're going to take AM a little more seriously. Hmm. Now, and AM deserves great credit, right. right? But that's just, you know, that's kind of looking ahead. The only way we end is beating them. That's our only chance. But now it kind of opens the door. Um, but I also think too. In the 12 team format, it puts the onus and the emphasis, especially amongst the power five, meaning the Pac 12, Big 12, ACC, SEC, Big 10. All five divisions, all five leagues are created equal in the eyes of the 12 team playoff because the reward for winning each is almost the exact same. They, mm-hmm. if you win your power five league, you are going to be in the playoff one, two, you have a strong chance of hosting or being either having a bye week in the first round of the playoff or hosting a team on your home field in the first round of the playoff if you're not one of the top four teams. So there are, you know, different, I think it just, and and for all of everyone, for everyone as a player back in the day, the number one thing was always winning your division. That was goal number one, winning your conference goal number two. Like those are the beat your rival, of course, would be like goal number one A, Beat your rival, win your division, win your conference. Those were like the three goals we all had growing up. Now that those goals are kind of back to being very important uh, because there is an actual reward outside of winning a trophy and bringing great pride to your school, you now get a ticket to the playoffs. So uh, I think the 12-team playoffs are real positive. Um, I was against it for a long time. I don't want the regular season to be watered down whatsoever. But I do think if you can incentivize teams with a home playoff game or incentivize teams with a bye week then there's still an awful lot on the table from a week to week standpoint yeah boy you you really just said you got in my brain again McElroy you know and you're a much younger man than me but that's exactly right I fought against it as hard as I could but I think there are a lot of good things that are going to come of this 12 team playoff and I'm starting to turn the corner and looking forward to it um You mentioned being in the league there. I think you're talking about the NFL, the National Football League, our league, as they as they call it now. Um, You were in a cute. Yeah, you were you were (laughs) what a what a a neat uh, Jets uh, QB room you were in with Tebow and and the Sanchez there. These uh, um, the biggest brands in college football um, gathered there with the New York Jets. You also separately were in the QB room with Kevin O'Connell. And I don't know whatever happened to that guy. No, what, what uh, <laughs> did you anticipate that? Boy, this guy's future is wearing the headset and holding the clipboard and all that kind of stuff, calling all the shots in the NFL. Well, it's funny. I mean, I was with OC one year um, and, and that was my first year in the league. And it was kind of a weird, it was kind of a weird dynamic because they had drafted me and they had, and this was all during the lockout. So it was just an odd, odd timing and everything. It was just a weird time because there was like five or six months where we couldn't really do anything. Um, So they had the draft and then I got there end of July, early August, and they cut Kevin and I was going to be the number three or the number two, depending on how my competition went with Mark Brunel. Uh, I got hurt in the last preseason game dislocated my thumb. So they put me on IR and they brought back Kevin. Uh, so it, it was just a weird, I think there was like a little animosity early between me against him and him against me, but that all went by the wayside pretty quickly. And I realized that's not animosity. That's just rookie hazing. So like it was, I thought it was like, Kev hates me. Like this guy's a jerk. And then I realized like everyone's a jerk, even Brunel, who was like the nicest guy on earth. Um, so <laughs> I think I got a little bit of a bad read from him early. Um, not necessarily his fault, uh, but it just par for the course of being a young guy that didn't really have time to go through hazing in, in the spring or in OTAs. By the time the season rolls around in a normal year, like, all right, the rookie stuff is kind of run its course, but I missed out on four months of getting ridiculed. So I made up for it in the fall. Um, but I, I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, Kevin was always a really good football mind. Um, he was always, you know, very sharp and, uh, was obviously they viewed him, even though it, he didn't dress for a single game I, that I can recall in there in the 2011 season, they still felt the need. And even though that time, most teams were starting to go with only two quarterbacks on the active roster because of the new 
the new lockout rule that third quarterback, the 46th player mm-hmm. being dressed rule is no longer a quarterback. So a lot of teams, that was the first year where everyone kind of just started to go with just two guys on the roster. Well, Mike Tannenbaum and everybody at the Jets felt like Kevin was a vital enough piece of the team, even though he didn't dress, to make him one of the 53, as opposed to a practice squad member that would get pulled up in an emergency situation. So uh, I think it just tells you what they thought about him. I, as a rookie, was just kind of a sponge that year. Didn't say much, just wanted to absorb. Um, And what I noticed with Kevin and with Brew was Mark was the starter and everything that we did as a room, like all four of us as a room was for Mark. It was not about our, like in Hmm. college, it's all like, I want to work. I want to win. I want to help the starter, but like, I also want to get better myself. Right. But in the NFL, you don't matter if you're a backup quarterback, a third string quarterback, a practice squad guy, an injured guy, whatever, you don't matter. Your job is exclusively to give the starter the best chance to be successful. So we all had our responsibilities. You know, I do third down, we do red zone, we do blitz packages, we do cut up stuff like that. And our whole goal was to just make sure that Mark felt super comfortable when he took the field on Sunday. So that's probably what I learned most from Kev is just what I needed to be from a personality standpoint to help Mark feel good about the plan and to help Mark feel good about playing well on Sunday. Um, I don't know if I did as good a job as Kevin Brew did because in 2012, everything kind of came tumbling apart. Um, but I, I definitely tried. I, I certainly learned a lot from those guys as a result of that season. Man, oh man, I could go on and on with you about just that. I'd love to hear your tales about Sanchez and Tebow and what was going on around there. I remember you were the cool kids pick. Like, you know, McElroy <laughs> maybe is the guy who really deserves the gig there. I remember the... Got sacked like I was very digits. popular. I was very popular that year. Um, like it was so funny because <laughs> I, I won. Like I look, there's there's one thing what I was what I was as a as a player, you know, I was a limited player. Like I, I made the most of my ability, but I was a really, really good teammate. Like I was a really, really good teammate. And if there was like a popularity contest or like a Mr. Congeniality contest on the Jets that year, I think I would have won. Like I and I think it wasn't as much about who I was, it was much about like how there was like a tug of war between Mark and Tim. And then there I was. And I was like, since I didn't really get involved, like, I think I was just like really well liked, you know? And it's funny because they vote, everyone in the facility votes on like the good guy award Um, from the front office to the managers, to the team, to the, to the media members that covered the team, like all, like everybody votes, like everyone that has a piece and like feels the team that year, they vote for the good guy award. And I won it in 2012, like the good guy award for the Jets, all because I just wasn't Mark and I wasn't Tim. Um, so I, or may, or so maybe that's the way I always interpreted it, but maybe there was more to it. Maybe I was actually a good guy. I don't know, but um, it was like a good guy, like, you know, doctor, maybe you're jazzed up on uh, Dr. Pepper or something. And that's, uh, and uh, it's swaying my opinion here, but either Perhaps. way, um, last thing is, you know, back in the day, you mentioned in the different, you know, when I was growing up, it was voted on who was the number one team at the end of new year's, uh, you know, new year's day. Then we got the head to head, the BCS, and now we have the four and we're going to have the 12. Um, What I really don't like is, and what the 12 team is going to make a a more common thing is, what the potential could be this year with Michigan v. Ohio State. And I don't like the notion of a rematch. I didn't like it when Bama got a second shot at LSU because the kicker missed two field goals in Tuscaloosa. That didn't mean that they deserved a second crack over Andrew Luck and Stanford. I didn't like it when Florida got a second shot at Florida State back in the late 90s. If you're... Michigan, are you rooting for Georgia, assuming you vanquish TCU? Because to me, that's the nightmare, is that you have to play. You just beat them in Columbus. You know they're probably a tick better than you, but either way, like let's say Bama gets the title game. It's like we have to beat Auburn again or LSU again. Wouldn't that be the worst eventuality of all don't you even if you lose to Georgia, it's like oh well you know they're number one we cannot lose to the Buckeyes here yeah I mean I think that that's see like my perspective on the matter like they've beaten Ohio State in consecutive games they match up well against Ohio State as evidenced by their performances in each of the last two games 
Uh, they were able to create some big plays against the Buckeyes in each of the last two matchups. And then I remember back to when Georgia played against them last year. And I, I don't know if Georgia's as good on defense as they were last year, but I think their offense is probably even a little bit more capable than they were at any point last year. Like I think Michigan and Georgia are very, very similar. Like they are built with an edge. They're built hmm. with a with a sh- with a shade of toughness. I think they're built along the line of scrimmage. They're really built inside out. Whereas the Buckeyes are kind of built outside in. They love their receivers. They love their weapons. They love their running backs. They love their quarterback. And then as you get a little bit closer into the meat of where the game is won or lost in the playoff, that's where they probably are a little bit more gettable than some of the other teams. Like I think if you play Georgia's style of football, they're going to beat you. They have more talent than you. Like if you can't, the way I've said it, is you can't out Georgia, Georgia. It ain't going to happen. And Michigan, the way that they win games is very similar to the way that Georgia tries to win games. So them trying to beat Georgia at their own game, it's going to be a tall order. But we've seen their ability to disrupt the rhythm of the Ohio State passing game. We've seen them be able to gash in the second half that Ohio State run defense. Like we've we've seen them be able to do that. So if I'm Michigan, I'm licking my chops with an opportunity to play against the Buckeyes in the national championship. I mm. love, I would love to have that opportunity. Well, I think that that would go a long way in hurting the regular season because what's kind of special about college football right now is the fact that you get one shot at your rival. Right. You have to live with the circumstances of that result for the next 365 days. Well, now it's like, Oh, well we lost you in the regular season, but we'll see you in the playoffs. Like that's why NFL rivalries to me are just not real. Like they're manufactured. Like I grew up a cowboy fan. Like, all right, well, yeah, I hate the Giants. You know, I hate the Commanders. I guess I hate the Eagles. But like, if we lose to them twice in the regular season, and I remember this vividly as a cowboy fan in 2007, we beat the hell out of the Giants, not once, but twice, only to see us blow it as a 13 and three one seed against the Giants on our home turf in the second round of the playoffs. So like the first two matchups didn't really matter. So I think I, I don't like that though. Like I want your rivalries to live one time and you have to live with that outcome for the rest of the year. So Me I don't too. like it. It's, it's so severe. Yeah. I don't it, like it. Therefore so great that, that, that that's the way that well, it's and, the and only sport like that. Like you can tell me all day long. It was unique. It was different than every other sport by virtue of that. And people say, but won't it be more fair? What it will be is like everything else. And that's right. the, the plague of sameness. We don't need more of the same. I don't think, but yeah, well, I, it's like, you can tell me like ESPN and yes, can tell me that Red Sox Yankees is phenomenal and it's the biggest rivalry. It's the most hardcore rivalry. Well, guess what? You lose 18 to two. Hey, let's go back out and do it again. Come on, Aaron judge. Let's do it. Bring your $40 million. Let's rock. Like for 360 million over nine, like bring it, like, let's go. Like they play 18 times a year. Like that's great that they're rivals. I'm glad they hate each other, but you, the outcome isn't, you're going to, going to like live with the outcome forever. Like, okay, once in a blue moon. Yeah. You give up a three Oh lead. You're the Yankees. Yeah. You live with that. But ultimately that's, that's the one time in my lifetime that that rivalry really has reached a boiling point. Mm-hmm. Yep. You, you nailed it. Um, okay. We'll let you go. I held you up way too long, but I can tell you're an estate cause you have the nice college footballs behind you. Best college football <laughs> helmet. Go. Best you can college say Bama. To me, it's Bama. Like I'm an old school purist. Um, yes, I can, I would that, also yes. say, I would also say like SC, would be in the mix. I'd say I have a Texas helmet right here. That mm-hmm. would be in the mix. Like I like yes. the old school helmets. I think the Buckeyes cool with the logos. Michigan, of course, with the wings. Um, those would probably be my top five. Nice. You, you, yep. You, you nailed it. Yeah. What would be cooler? Well, you experienced it. How cool was that? I knew you, obviously, it's sort of like getting drafted, I suppose. But you're an 18-year-old. You decide I'm a blue chip guy from wherever I am in the deep south or Texas or wherever. <laughs> and you go to Alabama and you are you're, you go in there for the first Saturday game and your helmet and your number is on the side of the hat. That's got to be the coolest. It's pretty cool. I mean, I just it's just so old school, man. Like, you know, it's like you're wearing... And I wore 12 for Namath. Like that's my dad's favorite player. Wow. So like I got, I 
wore 17 my first couple of years. You have to earn 12 at that point. 12 was a big number at Alabama. Um, How cool. Yeah. So like that was a really big deal for me. Um, but finally getting and earning 12 was like the coolest thing ever. So yeah, I, super cool. And it, like Bama was sold to me pretty easily at a, at a bar called Buffalo Phil's. Uh, it's right there in, in like the strip, like downtown Tuscaloosa. My dad and I had gone for an unofficial visit. Our waitress was gorgeous. I mean, I'm talking like drop dead gorgeous. And I was like 17, you know, the reasons why you choose your schools, like when you're like a 16 or 17 year old kid is like, all right, pretty girls, like pretty good football, like in that order. Right. Like that was what was most important in my world at that point. So she was beautiful girl, beautiful. And there was a guy that we had met earlier at the bar that was kind of telling us why we should go to Alabama. My dad's like, well, this is my son. He's a, you know, he's a recruits quarterback he might come here, like all this other stuff. And the guy sat down and like, we were best friends with them overnight. And the second, first thing he said, he goes, all right, watch this. So she, he turns over to the waitress, waves her over and says, all right, ma'am, what's your name? Courtney. Oh, Courtney. Okay. That's one. That's a beautiful name. Uh, who is the governor of Alabama? She's like, I, I have no idea. Who are the senators from Alabama? No clue. Who's the quarterback of Alabama? She said Brody Croyle. <laughs> like immediately, not the governor, not the senators, not any influential figure whatsoever in the state of Alabama currently. But no, she knew Brody Croyle. And that was like, all right, this is a different level of intensity down here. Like everyone loves the tide and the ladies love the tide quarterback. So like this has to be where I go, right? Oh man! Well, of course you do that. I went there. I no nobody did anything like that for me. But when I went to Bloomington, <laughs> Indiana, on a on a uh, sunny spring day and took a spin around the campus, I I marveled at the at the human beings walking around there, specifically the <laughs> the attractive Midwest women there. But uh, man, awesome stuff! Uh, really appreciate the time. Enjoy bowl season in the structure that it exists in now for just a couple more. Then we go into the great unknown, the 12 team playoff, or in fact, the thoroughly known, it's going to look like every other playoff, but it'll be fun. Just the (laughs) same. Uh, Make sure you're listening to Greg McElroy, of course, on always CFB, always college football on Omaha. We appreciate the time, man. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for having me. And now a quick break. All right. I told you spaghetti. See you, you, uh, you had your doubts, but he's delightful. I did not have my doubts on Greg. I, I pushed to book Greg and he was awesome. Um, we're having a great discussion. Actually, I wanted to hop in on something he said. Now, obviously, um, you know, Caleb Williams to win the Heisman. Everyone kind of assumed that once he learned his his stretch. Um, I thought it was one of the weaker Heisman years. I'm not taking away from a, a great season Caleb Williams had. Obviously, uh, he, he brought USC back to prominence and he'll have a fine career as a pro. But Greg put... Max Duggan first overall on his quarterback list that he yeah, did. Interesting, and, and I huh? thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, and that's kind of why I feel like if you have, if this award is now going to be the quarter, uh, a good quarterback on a, on a good team, you know, USC didn't even make the playoff. Like they didn't even win their, their conference. And TCU was not a team that we all thought would make it this far. And Max Duggan brought them. Um, and they're the three seed now in this, uh, and have a matchup versus Michigan in the playoff. And that's pretty, you know, pretty, uh, exciting stuff. And it's something that we did not expect. Whereas USC was ranked pretty high preseason. Um, I don't know how great Max Duggan's, you know, future will be in the pros, but, I know Bryce, uh, uh, sorry, the Devontae Smith did win it a few years back as a receiver, but I just feel like if you're going to give it to a quarterback almost every year and you're going to give it to a, a team that succeeds, like it probably should have been Duggan's award. Also not having Hendon Hooker there uh, at the ceremony. I understand he got injured. It, to me, it was just. Yeah, that's uh, fair. That's, I, a, that's a, I think that's a fair point that Hooker earned it with his deeds. Sure. And they should. And, and, you know, there are some years it feels like to me that there are, correct me if I'm wrong, just last year, they only had three finalists there. Why wouldn't you expand? I don't know if there's some standard that we don't have five kids there, but wouldn't you send Hooker there just for the acknowledgement of the great season and the weird way he got there and the injury doesn't diminish right. the great 20. I mean, you know, it's an all-time season. Our pal Sully, you know, he'll, he'll tell you that, you know, he has a, a glass half full 
view of the world, I suppose. But, you know, he, you know, he said, listen, if you would have told me a year ago that this was the season the Vols were going to have, I would take it every time. So, yeah, you know, it's a special year. You should have honored the kid. I agree. And then my other, you know, bone to pick with the whole thing is a lot of the Caleb. Uh, there's always the Heisman moment. And it seems like Caleb Williams Heisman moment was versus uh, my fighting Irish at home. You know, they, that game everyone watched on TV. I'm not going to get into the whole conspiracy of like, oh, it's basically who, you know, ESPN, ABC pushes. That's not it. But the funny thing about using Notre Dame as the Heisman moment team is like not not all media, but there is a contingency in the media that likes to be like Notre Dame doesn't belong in any of the, the college playoffs. They have to join a conference, yada, yada, yada. And yet they somehow use that. The, their game versus the Irish as the Heisman moment game. So which one is it? Is Notre Dame a bad team? Doesn't belong with the, with the top dogs or are they good enough that you want to use the, them to propel it? Again, I'm going to get probably crushed by USC fans uh, pooping on Caleb Williams, but I just thought it was a weak Heisman year for a team. That didn't you know what you don't him. get? See, I, this is your blind spot. Why can't you see spaghetti that just as Notre Dame is hated for their success? This is the what you seem to. And I, and I don't want to get into a conversation all about it, but I'm not trying to draw you into something and then say, no, silence. But this is why you, you don't like Sidney Crosby because he is the face of the league for the entire century. Now we're 22 years into this millennium. He is the face of it. Of course, you don't like that because he's a constant and a villain from your point of view. That I mean, that's a, that in a way you should be glad he whines. Oh, he doesn't whine. That was a part of his career. As much as you want to say, no, as much as you want to say that Troop is dirty, which which you you always say every episode of every show, you say Troop is bad, this and that. I'm going to say causing wines. I'm going to I'm going to. Okay, but but the point, yeah, okay, but there but there are certain things. If if that's your perception, that's fine. I'm not going to dissuade you from feeling what you feel. But you know, from my point of view, Notre Dame gets way too many advantages that you know that by, by institution by the structure of the sport that other teams wouldn't get away with but that's for me on the outside looking in of course I, you know i say uh, you know i'm flattered oh you don't like sydney crosby i wouldn't like him either if he weren't on my team but anyway the point is yeah that, that you know that's i we're, we're the same you and me that's what i'm getting at at the end of the day now i do have to say this what's 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 very weird and you know we'll i'm sure i'll dig into it later but just very quickly long story short Settle down, everybody in Pittsburgh. They should not fire Mike Tomlin. This jive that it's over. You know, hey, the Eagles and Andy Reid parted ways, and both both sides came out better for it, right? Look at Andy Reid thriving. Look at the Eagles thriving since Andy. This is not a similar situation. That was a terrible game that they lost on Sunday. It was it was gross that Mitch Trubisky turned the ball over twice in the red zone. But remember, he's the backup QB. You can't hang it on him any more than the Ravens fans could have pointed at Ty Huntley and then Anthony Brown for blowing it, who you should be cross with, is the high-end, highly paid defense coached by Mike Tomlin and Brian Flores and Terrell Austin at all. That's the failure. It is not a 50-50 complimentary situation as people would imagine it or would love for it to be. Hey, all three phases got to come through here. Hey, they've got a a field goal blocked late in the game. That's a letdown. We got to pick each other up. No, no. The defense is supposed to carry the day. That's what Tomlin wanted it to be since springtime. That's the way it is structured to be. The defense cannot get gashed when you know, when everyone in the stadium knows, hey, they're going to run the ball here on third and short to try and salt the game away. When you can't stop a third and three run, then you're going to lose the game, especially when everything, when, when the salary cap, the dollars paid to your players, um, are um, there's an imbalance uh, on the side of the defense. The defense must rise up and make the stop. They didn't do it against Anthony Brown and the Ravens. Stop talking about Mitchell Trubisky, the backup QB. Yes, that's expected. You know why? Because he's Mitchell Trubisky. Cam Hayward and TJ Watt and Minga Fitzpatrick and their eight pals out on the field at the end of the game, they're supposed to make the stop. Shame the devil. I don't want to hear any more about it. But all that being said, no. I do not advocate like the histrionic Yinzers out there talking about Mike Tomlin. It's done. You know, it's stale, dude. They should get rid of him. For what? For whom? Pipe down. Next year is going to be much better. And who knows what happens the rest of the way here. Anyway, final thoughts there, Eddie Spaghetti. Great stuff from Greg McElroy, as we say. He's our colleague, you know, which is uh, which is neat to say because I, I found him absolutely delightful. Oh, one more thing. With the Shecky Awards fast approaching, I was thinking about it. 
as he was saying it, cheese puffs, boy, they've really cornered the market, you know, uh, on a snack item. Usually people replicate like, oh, whoever who who made the first potato chip? I don't know. Lay's probably. I Well, I don't want to give Pringle. Like think of all the offshoots of potato chips we have now, the different kinds and kettle chips and everything else. But but uh, Cheetos, does any do they even have a rival? Like, is there a Pepsi to the Coca-Cola that is the Cheeto puff? I'm not talking about the hard ones either. I'm talking about the puffy ones that he said are just for kids. Spoiler. Well, not spoiler alert, but a, a not very interesting reveal about Dave. Late at night after the kids go to bed and I'm walking around before I go to bed, I, I get into their bag of the Cheetos puffs and I eat, uh, you know, I eat a handful of them just about every night. And I find it absolutely delightful. How say you? Uh, I do enjoy uh, the Cheetos. I don't like the puffs as much as the other variety. But after a quick Google search, it does seem like there's plenty of other brands that do make ah. the puffy ones. Yeah, uh, I believe Trader Joe's has their own brand called uh, Pirate's Booty. It looks like Utz has some. There's a yeah. A by, ones, well, so. Pirate's Booty is no stranger to any parent in the 21st century. Every every kid eats the Pirate Booty and it, and it is good, too. But that's more like uh, I think that's like white cheese. It is. It, it is white cheddar. Yeah. Yeah. White cheddar. Right. Well, listen, Greg McElroy's his own man, and he can uh, he can put in his mouth what he wants to. But uh, we appreciate what he spit out of his mouth for us here today. Great stuff on uh, on the upcoming bowl season. Make sure you're checking out his great show on Omaha. Make sure you're checking all the great shows out on Omaha, uh, specifically Extra Points Network. Head over there. Eddie Spaghetti's got a show coming up for you with Jen Piacenti. Waiver Wired. The playoffs are here. Everybody's in the playoffs in fantasy these days, right, Spaghetti? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, if you have a 12-team league, usually half the teams get in, if not eight. So, uh, yeah, a lot of teams. Yeah, you'd be doing that by now. Of course, extra points a couple times coming at you this week. All the great shows. In fact, Covered in Glory might be the one you want to check out right now because of uh, the home stretch of the World Cup. That's still going, too, right, Spaghetti? As much as I can tell from social media. I think it is. We're down to, I believe it's France, Argentina, Morocco, and uh, Croatia. Morocco. Um, It's fun to say. I'll say that Morocco. Um, All right. Listen, I'll have some things to say as well. Eddie Spaghetti uh, when Kevin Hench joins us in just a couple of days, few days from now, make sure you're tuned into that. Hey, you know what? With the holiday season, give the gift of minus three, spread the good word minus three. How about you make it plus three, your friends and family uh, subscribe and all that. Make it a happy holidays for them. Um, or if you don't like them and you don't like this show, punish them by subscribing on their phone to this show. Oh, that's worse than a lump of coal if you hate the sound of Damashek's voice. Either way, we appreciate you checking it out. We'll be back in just a couple of days. Until then, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>